The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us for our latest alumni podcast. Uh, our latest guest, I would consider him a real backbone of the guy in the 2008 team, a great teammate, um, guy who spent, you know, part of 13 different years in the big leagues, has multiple championships, and I'm proud to say I've known him for 16 years now, and he now is a father of four. So welcome Johnny Gomes to the show. And Johnny, how are you? Good, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, 16 years about, huh? Uh, yeah, we've, we've seen a lot, buddy. It certainly have. Uh, what's it like now being a, uh, a father of four and, and oldest? I know your youngest was just born a, a month or two ago, but what's the, the yeah. ages now between the four of them? Two boys, two girls? Yeah, we're all evened up. Two boys, two girls. Uh, we're maxing out at 10. That's my daughter. And then nine and seven. And then I think we're at about 34, 35 days. Were yeah. you, uh, what, what's it been like having to go through that again? Because that's, you know, you probably blacked out on a lot of what it's like to be sleeping two hours at a cliff. I mean, it couldn't have happened really at a better time, to tell you the truth. I mean, this whole quarantine, whatever the hell you believe in or whatever it is, you know, totally sucks. But, um, you know, going to the hospital, I mean, I packed like I was going camping. I mean, I didn't thought I was going to be just, you had to get all hung up and say that. I mean, it was totally chill. Uh, nothing different going on there. Um, and then, obviously, if there's no baseball, I mean, I'm not doing anything. So um, it's been great being at home. And, I mean, four kids in the house, but I still think I'm the biggest kid in the house. So it, it's all good. That means you haven't changed a bit, which is great. Were you yeah. – you had mentioned that things went fairly easily. Were you – and Arizona is different from a lot of other states. Obviously, New York, New Jersey, different. There was no concerns about whether you'd be allowed in for the birth and all that stuff. Um, I mean, there was a whole lot of hearsay going into it, but I mean, to me, so my fourth, if, if you didn't know anything was going on, it was totally normal. It was totally, I mean, they, you know, there's more masks if anything, but no, man, the only thing they didn't, you know, I would have loved to have the other kids come in, you know, and, you know, see the baby at the hospital. They didn't allow that. But other than that, I mean, it, it was smooth sailing. During the course of the pandemic, I'm curious because um, for people who don't know your story, and I'd love for you to tell it, you did have a heart attack your second year in the in the Rays organization in, in 02 in the offseason. So were there concerns because a lot of people have, you know, said pre-existing conditions for yourself um, based on, you know, potentially if you got the virus? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was a part of that MLB study that they did uh, where they, you know, allowed you just to participate in taking that corona test. Uh, my wife and I, we both did it, and that was negative. So, I mean, outside of not working and being a, uh, a homeschool Zoom teacher and phys ed teacher and yard duty, uh, not much has changed. I mean, it's, it's Arizona's, I, I don't know how to do it but I mean we went to the arcade yesterday to go to the movies and um it's pretty uh it's pretty weird you know I mean you go out here I mean obviously the sun it's gorgeous every day but uh everyone's riding their bikes everyone's walking you go to the parks the parks are full it's kind of weird people stay in their old deal but um I mean with as crazy as it seems I mean we haven't really skipped a beat 
That's good. Can you tell people the story about your whole, your, the backstory from O2 and, and as it, you know, how it kind yeah. of relates to your whole kind of journey? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was that? That was O2. Uh, yeah. Christmas Eve O2. Um, I guess the medical term, it's not really a big medical term, but you know, it's the widow maker, which, uh, you know, is a heart attack. And, um, yeah, so I technically suffered a heart attack right at, uh, 22 years old. Um, and how the widow makers kind of explained is they know how to treat it. If you're one of the very few percentage to make it through, but, uh, they have no idea why it happens and, uh, not, you know, no one's more susceptible than the next. It's uh, kind of a weird deal. Your heart, like your hamstring is a muscle and it basically just gets a cramp. Um, a little more technical than that, but uh, I don't know, man. It was, uh, it was a hairy time there for a little bit. I was in the hospital for eight days. Uh, the last four or five, I was kind of like a guinea pig study uh, for the cardiologist at Stanford um, when I was back home. Uh, yeah, that was Christmas Eve of 02 and September 12th of the following year, I was in the big leagues with my first at bat at Yankee Stadium. Crazy, crazy journey it was. Um, and obviously a very successful one. You mentioned Zoom teaching and gym. What are your, uh, what are your homeschool teaching skills like? Probably not ideal. Um, you know, I'm the guy that is lost with my third graders math and my second graders math. I'm like, yeah, you're never going to use that in your whole life. So let's just skip over that. Um, and then I get down to my first grader and that's awesome because we can just like color and do unicorns and rainbows. Are, are your kids um, coping well with this? How difficult has it been for them? How, you know, because Mine are a little older than yours, but, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of questions and challenges. Yeah, man. I mean, so it was kind of like, uh, you know, I got my kids here and then I got a whole ton of kids in the minor leagues with the backs. And, um, you know, I'm pretty passionate about those guys, passionate about getting back in the minor leagues. And, you know, we still do Zooms with those guys and stuff. And just being so foreign it's it's crazy because it's like the only thing that like i literally can't give advice on you know i'm like don't watch too much tv like why this is the only time you can ever watch tv at noon you know like go to bed early why this is the only time we can literally stay awake as long as you can and fall asleep on the couch and wake up and be in your jammies all day so it's soak that in um but at the same time you want to be on routine and this and that so um i think everyone's kind of got their own deal going and i mean I guess if you're staying active and eating healthy, I mean, we're, we're all good. But, yeah, with the baseball guys, it's like, yeah, dude, I, I, I honestly, I mean, I coach and I teach for things that worked for me and things that didn't work for me and things that I've learned along the way. And none of it has to do with this. You know, I've never not been playing baseball on this date since I was probably two. And you've been coaching now for how many years with the Diamondbacks? Uh I think this is three or four. Yeah, right Right when I got done playing. Do you like it? Do you, are you enjoying it that much? And do you want to be a manager someday? What's, what's kind of the, the end goal? Or is there one? Um, I don't really have an end goal, to tell you the truth. Where I am now, um, I'm not really fighting to, like, move up the ladder. Um, I'm not really I, – I just love my day-to-day -day task. And – 
even when I was playing, you know, I always thought like, what do you really want to do? Well, you, you want to be wanted, you know, and that, that's what I want. I want someone to want my services. Be like, you are the right guy for this. You don't have to change. You don't have to, we love your message. We love this. We love that. So that came, you know, on the big league side, it did, but it does. But for right now, um, it was weird. So I got done playing. I was in the big leagues for like 13 straight years. And I was so removed from the minor leagues. It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, I had to like totally check back in. And um, I remember in the very beginning, like rookie ball, I, I was like so advanced. You know, I was like, how does no one in this dugout know a slider was coming right there? Like no one. Like, you guys think I like have magic? Like he's tipping his pitches. It's very obvious he's throwing a 2-2 slider the last four innings. And they're just like, what like and I was and I was frustrated but then it was like so cool to get back to the ones and twos the a b's and c's the fundamentals and um you know what I found now is you know there's the launch angle in this and there's that and um one thing that really helped me along the way is was just the simple message about how to be a pro you know how to how to win how to uh, you know, hook up your teammate, you know, how to get your head out of the sand, you know, like there's no launch angle drill that can get you your mind right when you're 0 for 15 stepping in the box. You know, there's stuff like that that I love to uh, give back. You were always one of those guys, though, from from the time I saw you in 04 for the first time when you were in Durham, you'd made your big league debut the year before. So how did that start and who taught you how to be that way? So, I mean, I don't really know, you know, I mean, I, I, I love to give credit to anyone who's ever had a thumbprint on me from T-ball up, you know, I mean, you run into some, some jabronis now and again, but I mean, I, I couldn't have made it without everybody, you know, but it's hard to explain, you know, I mean, there's a freaking million books out there. Do you read this one book or you listen to me? I don't know, you know, but one thing I think that kind of separated me from the rest is literally I, I was so grateful to play baseball. You know, I was like, I mean, with my heart attack, uh, I was in a fatality car accident at 16, you know, I was raised. And I literally, like, didn't take in a game and a bat and a pitch, like, I don't want to say off, like I was freaking Charlie Hustler guy, but I was just so grateful. And I loved the sport, and I was so happy to be there. And I wanted everyone else to be on my level once I figured out not everyone was on my level as far as, like, groundhog day and freaking this and that i'm like no dude this is awesome like we're so lucky to be able to play this game and freaking hey they're paying us how right is that so um yeah i mean i I just think not taking a day for granted you know and that doesn't mean like i was like freaking charlie hustling running hard i was just like so grateful i got to you know call my job my passion and my hobby is that why you think you not only survived but thrived in the league as long as you did because of that attitude maybe because of what you've been through you mentioned <laughs> the car accident i mean you 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 had to live in a car for a while too with your family yeah. right yeah i mean i i totally got it you know um you know once i you know had some years logged i realized actually how hard this game was and you can't like play this game on just freaking passion and i love this game like you actually have to be good you know to stick around I say the hardest thing to beat in Major League Baseball is a Major League scouting report. I mean, they're giving guys thousands of dollars to sit behind home plate to figure out ways to get you out. It's not just you versus the pitcher. Um, 
But with that being said, I, I think as much as I enjoyed baseball and loved baseball, like I didn't want it to get taken away for um, a lack of my skills. Um, I didn't want to ever get released, you know? And I mean, I got non-tendered a whole bunch. Uh, I think that's different that you sort of get into the business side of things. Mm-hmm. I never wanted, and I just never wanted to be like, we are going to be better without you, you know? And that and you get into the trades too. I got traded, but you know, the team trading for you thinks they can get better for you, uh, with you. So with that being said, I just, I, I was riding this wave, man. I just, I just never wanted to get off it. So I just, um, you know, I, it's funny, dude, I, I had my blinders on the whole time and uh, going back, you know, and talking like the history of the game and, you know, my early years, it's kind of like, I got to, I got to like think about it, you know, oh yeah, that happened. Cause I mean, I was literally like pitch to pitch day to day, like nothing matters, like time is now. Do you remember much about your first game, your first at bat, your first hit? What do you like remember? It was yes, like it was yesterday, buddy. I mean, I first of all remember from about six in the morning till about four o'clock in the afternoon trying to shed this massive hangover from winning the Durham Bulls championship the night before. And uh, I was sitting in front of my gate uh, getting ready to go home. And the trainer tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, you uh, might be going to the big leagues. There might be a move. And I remember like kind of being bummed out thinking like, oh, man, I can't show up to the big leagues in this shape. Like, you, this is tough. I mean, we went as back-to-back Triple A championships, man, the Durham Bulls, you know, Bill Evers, all that guy. I mean, that was super awesome. I think, you know, events like that, like, you do have to party with the boys, and you do have to take it all in. I got memories from that, too. We won it in Pawtucket. You know, it was awesome. Um, but, yeah, he came back coming to Slayer. He's like, yeah, you're going, uh, you're going to the big leagues. And the funny story was a couple guys, two guys got called up at the field before the celebration, which that's ideal. But um, so when the season ends, I always give all my stuff away to like the bat boys, all the stuff, you know, I mean, I just get new stuff and it's game used, whatever I'll sign it or I'll give it away. So I gave all my stuff away. I show up to the big leagues with literally just a mitt. I didn't have cleats. I didn't have batting gloves. I didn't have bats. I didn't have like anything. Show up to Yankee stadium with a glove thinking like, yeah, I'll play. Um, yeah, man, and then showed up and tucked my lot in my chair inside my locker um, and just rode it out. And I remember there was like a scrum over here on the wall. And um, I forget who was next to me, but I asked, like, what's going on over there? What's that scrum about? And they're like, that's the lineup. They just posted the lineup. So I went into the LS and I went up to the lineup card and, you know, instantly I started from the bottom, you know. Like not, I'm not in the extra. So I figured I wasn't active, but I was like, oh, let me check the lineup. So I just keep cruising up. And there's my name in the five hole behind Rocco Baldelli. And I'm like, no way. Um, yeah, let's do it though. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Uh, David Wells on the mound. First pitch. Uh, I remember looking up and it was a funny story. I tell the kids this. Uh, I was almost scared to look up. You know, I thought when I looked up, he was going to be like right here. He was just going to be like on top of me. And I looked up and there's this big monkey just lifted off my back. And I was like 60 feet, six inches. I've been doing this since I was, you know, 12 years old. No big deal. And I was like, and I know he has a fastball. There's not a fastball on this planet that I can't hit. You can book that. And then he throws me this curveball that I think hit the lights and then came back down. 
And I was like, yeah, I've uh, never seen one of those ever in the minor leagues. Um, if he sticks with that, I'm out. But if he has that fastball, I got action. So the next pitch threw a fastball and I got a double. And, and obviously, uh, you know, continued to battle and, and stayed on. Joe Madden always talked about five stages of a big leaguer. Happy to be here, um, survival mode, believe you belong, make as much money as you can and all you want to do is win. And he said he wanted as many guys as he could in believe you belong and all you want to do is win. I always felt you were an always you want to do is win guy from the get-go. When did you believe you belonged up there? Um. It actually took a while to believe I belonged in the big leagues. I, I did an interview the other day. and um, So my broken in 03, 05, technically my rookie year. And I want to say it wasn't until like 2012 offseason. Because, I mean, was I an everyday big leaguer? Yeah. Did I have no brainer? I was breaking with the big league club years before that. Yeah, absolutely. So after 2012, I was with the A's. <clears throat> I had a really good season. And, um, again, you get non-tendered. And, but I was totally cool. I was like, I'll get a job in a heartbeat with these numbers. So it was like another long offseason, this and that. But, I mean, you know, not the stressfulness of the offseason of who's going to pick me up, where am I going to go, all this stuff. I was like, they're the numbers you know you're going to get. I've been to the playoffs a whole bunch of times. I've been to the World Series. I've won here, won there, won there. Who needs it, you know? So I'd say it wasn't until 2012 where I knew, um, where I knew I belonged. That's, I would have thought it would have come earlier, which, I mean, it says something about you and your drive and the way you carry yourself. When in 08 yeah. did you think that was going to be a good team and why? So you talk about the blinders, man. I mean, I, I tell a story. Game one of the World Series, Carlos Pena and I walked out, got out of our dugout, and, like, I literally stopped and looked at Carlos and was like, holy crap. Like, it's look, look on the grass, dude. Look, it says World Series. Like, not opening day, not, you know, Memorial Day, 4th of July, ALCS, ALDS, all this stuff. It was like, literally, it, like, it blew me away because it was just, we were playing so loose. We were, and the only reason you can play loose is if you're good right? You play loose two times when you're in first and when you're in last. Every other time you're like fighting. So we were just playing so loose and it was game to game. And I was like, we're going to Detroit. Yeah, we'll beat them. You know, we'll go to the Red Sox, big bad ALEs. Who cares? We have to go to game seven. Matters, you know? And then I was like, holy cow, it says World Series on the grass. That's un unbelievable. And it really started though in April or in March. I mean, with the fight against the Yankees, um, and yeah. Elliot going into Cervelli and in, in spring training and then the follow-up. Yeah. What, what do you want, what's your story about now that you're removed from in many years, the Shelly Duncan? Uh, so he's a coach with the Diamondbacks too. It was funny. I know. Uh, yeah, so he actually left and went to Toronto with Charlie. But, um, man, when we, like the first time we were in the same building, it seemed like everybody was walking on eggshells, you know, and everyone's like, man, uh, have you seen Shelly? I was like, no, I'm looking for him, you know? And everyone's like, why? So I could talk to him. We're friends. Jeez. I was like, we got a freaking scuff in between the lines. Who cares? On to the next, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I mean, there was no hard, you know, anything against Shelly. It could have been anyone. Mm -hmm. Anyone. I mean, 
he, he'll admit the slide, you know, had a little too much on it. He, you know, sent a message, you know, in the wrong way. Um, I get, maybe mine was sent the wrong way too, but I do it all over again. Um, I don't know if he would do that slide again, which makes me feel a little more comfortable. But uh, yeah, man, Shelly's a real good dude. Super decorated man, uh, minor league manager. Uh, I'm sure his name's going to be thrown around the pot uh, pretty soon up in the big leagues. But um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I always, you know, say, you know, like under no circumstance in a, uh, a sport where you compete against someone else does a fight really have to bring you guys together. But it freaking sure doesn't help. You know, it's just, it, it, it sure does freaking help. Um, and uh, as long as you're not picking the fight, you're in good shape. And as long as you finish the fight, you're in better shape. So there were two incidents. That was one. And then June, the Coco Crisp James Shields was two. I talked to Cass, and he told me that Johnny Gomes, before that happened, was like Olympic sprinter, top of the dugout, ready to go. Uh, yeah. what, what, so do you remember the same? Yeah, I, I, I got, I mean, and I think, it, you know, it's just my, you know, the court awareness and knowing the situation. I knew I was in right field. I knew Shelly Duncan was going to round first hard and go. I just, I mean, I, I, I was ready for it. How about that? I didn't say I knew it was going to happen. And I knew James was going to throw a Coco, and I know Coco. Coco is going to go after him. So, uh, yeah, I was, on, I was on my Usain Bolt starter box, and um, I, I want to get out there for my guy as soon as I could. And you did. And how, how galvanizing was that one, comparably speaking? Because a lot of guys said that that was, at that point, they knew everybody had everybody's back for sure. So it's kind of funny. You go back and you look at those pictures uh, from the Shelly Duncan thing, and it was like me and then my nine dudes on our team holding me back. You know, no, no, no. And then fast forward to the Red Sox thing, it was me and 24 other dudes fighting. So then, you know, once once we got the, uh, you know, once we got the deal that, you know, we're we're not getting our lunch money taken away, and you know, I wouldn't recommend, you know, fighting the Red Sox and the Yankees in the same year, but um, that's just how the ball rolled, and you know, I I I, I liked how it happened. I didn't, you know, I, I don't think we really started any of them, but uh, we sure weren't backing down. No question about that. And you did so many things that I think probably people didn't see. Weren't you um, the robes, the raised robes? Didn't you have something to do with that, too? I had something to do with that. I was also the first freaking uh, take a rate of school guy, right? I remember seeing when Ben Zobris would go all the time. It was like this huge deal, and I thought that was awesome. I was like, I used to go to schools, and the kids didn't even know who the rays were. But, uh, I mean, it was cool to see uh, – See the growth of that, but yeah, I started the robes. Um, yeah, man, you haven't partied until you partied in a robe, and uh, yeah, man, we did the mohawks and uh, t shirts, and it's uh, man, it, it's awesome. I was asking Dave and Andy from the broadcast side what they remembered about you, and they said, besides being a great teammate and a good guy and, and a glue guy, they said he'd always seemed to keep everybody loose, he always found a way, he'd slide down the 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 runway in the, in the, on the plane or, or oh my gosh. <laughs> you want to tell me about that? God, I'd be in jail if that happened today. So, I mean, ah, oh, what a mess. Um, those little like, uh, freaking safety things where you fold it open. It tells you how to freaking blow your vest up and shoot out of the place. If you land in the water, 
but they're super slick. And when you're going to land and you put them underneath your feet, you're not on a friggin' normal flight. Um, a marshal would come out and shoot you. But uh, as soon as the plane hits the brakes, you know, you can shoot forward. The majority of the time you get about like five rows and your knee ends up hitting the railing or, you know, someone puts their arm out or whatever. I mean, I was dead bull on tracks and going so fast I could not stop. Um, and I just flew straight down from the back of the plane all the way. I was probably going 20 miles per hour and just straight face planted right into the cockpit door. Um, and I think we were going to Toronto. We had a long flight. So the whole first class was the coaches and they were dead asleep and it was just boom. And I just hightailed it out of there. And there was a reason I thought I was going to get released. That was it. Not because of the talent, but for, uh, taking out a cockpit door. <laughs> well, it was memorable for sure. And you made a lot of great yeah. memories. I think another thing that stands out that, you know, they had mentioned to me and, and, you know, you go back in the film and you look at it as a guy who came through the, the devil rays, wore the green battled his way through was a starting outfielder. And in that 08 season, you were not on the playoff roster yet. If you looked at when this final out of game seven is, is recorded in the ALCS, the first guy to get to the pile is you. And I think it speaks yeah. to who you are in your character. Yeah, man. I mean, it is the team sport. You know, I mean, that 08 season, I mean, never going to happen again. Book it. All that homegrown talent with a 40, low $40 million payroll going to the World Series. And those dudes making almost $40 million by themselves right now. You know, we had, we had a whole team. Um, but I had so much more invested. You know, I, was, I, I started with the Rays in 01. Um, you know, when I broke into the big leagues, 03, 04, 05. I remember like, you know, kind of the motto in the clubhouse is like, you want to do really good the first half so you get traded. I mean, that was literally the flow of traffic, you know, like everybody. And I was like, nah, man, like, like not me. Like these dudes took a, a huge chance by just drafting me. Like I, I owe these guys, you know, everything, you know, every ounce of energy. And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have to be in the starting lineup. I, I mean, there, there was a whole, I mean, there was a culture change. There was an attitude change. There was a talent chain. There was so much more of a change, you know, outside of just David Price throwing that last out to Aki. I mean, there, that thing was uh, – I, I was fully vested. And, and there were a lot of guys fully vested, but I think maybe none as much as, as you were in, in terms of seeing it come to fruition. Did you think going into 08, though, that you guys had a chance to be really good? Because I know Kaz obviously came out with the big announcement that, that spring, hey, we're going to the playoffs. You know, what did you think? I thought we were really good. I really did. And um, it was actually a huge shot in our arm. If you remember that Longoria didn't break with us. Um, we knew Price was coming. We knew we didn't need him right out of the gate. We knew he was coming. And I loved him coming up in the pen, you know, so he can just get a fret, like a one-time through deal. Joe used him great. Um, I knew we were good. I knew we were good. I knew, like, dudes were hitting their stride. Crawford was hitting the stride. Kaz was hitting the stride. James was hitting the stride. Bartlett was locked down. Um, you know, Aki was a fresh 100 home runs. You're just going to get it. Um, you know, we had defense behind the plate. We were good everywhere, you know. I mean, uh, you know, uh, BJ's all dialed in at center field now. And then here comes some big goons, you know. We got Troy Percival, Cliff Floyd, Narakinski to just guide the way for all our mistakes. And 
Um, I knew we were good, man. I knew we were good. But I'd never been to the playoffs before that. So I didn't know what it took and how to get there and all this stuff. So, um, man, I, I learned a lot from that. And um, <laughs> a blessing for me, I mean, was to lose the World Series individually. I mean, I've, I mean, once you've got a taste of playoff baseball and once you got a taste of that World Series – I mean, it's it's an acquired taste that you just take 162 games. You're like, this isn't pointless, but it's not even what the playoffs is going to be. Um, and I don't know if I would have kept that edge by winning it. Um, but at the same time, having a organization first World Series ring would have been pretty awesome. And I'm sure I would have continued the fight. But um, I got that American League ring. It's pretty cool. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, add, add to the uh, to the list with a couple more. No question. Um, what did you learn from Hinsky and Floyd during that year that carried you with you to your other opportunities and experiences? How did it help you? So, I, I mean, I, I'm still uh, friends with both those guys, and those guys were super pro, man. Um, and I love the fact that, I mean, I wasn't like the cookie cutter dude, and they were like totally cool at that. And they were, they just, they wanted me to play with my hair on fire. And, you know, I didn't have my head in the sand too often, but if I ever did, you know, it was that pick me up and I knew how important that was to me. And that's why I wanted to give it back. But, um, so those two dudes, they, they really broke down a lot to me, like the in-game strategies, the science, the setting up a, a pitcher, you know, the, uh, I always say your, your love for the game will take off when you figure out what's going on in between pitches. Um, so that being said, those guys were nails at, at that stuff. And then platooning, man, platooning with both those guys, those were the two lefties and I was the righty. Um, so watching them, you know, do their routines and doing all this, so the, the in-game, um, stuff is what, you know, they taught me the most, but to go back to Oh four, my first big league camp, I split lockers on my right. I got Fred McGriff and on my left, I got Tino Martinez. Mm. I mean, you talk about being out of your freaking league, buddy. I mean, these guys were talking freaking a language that I could not get on board with, but Holy cow. Did I learn more than I could have ever learned in any book or any freaking thing. These two dudes were the proest, winningest, awesomest dudes. And I mean, I, it was on the far right, so it was a wall, Fred, me, and Tino. So, and they would just talk to each other, just back and forth, back and forth, this and that. I mean, Tino was talking about the freaking Yankee days, and, you know, Fred's talking about the Atlanta days. And I'm like, I remember thinking, like, damn, I would love to be able to hold court like that one day. I would love to be able to talk about, like, my old this, my old that, and battles with this guy. And, like, right now I'm just stoked being big week camp. Um, but, man, that, that, that's kind of where it started for me was that first big weekend. Well, it happened. It happened to be able to, you know, roll and, and tell stories and have, um, yeah. you know, a very successful major league career. And hopefully, you know, whatever you decide to do going forward on the, on the coaching side further. What were your yeah. best moments beyond Aki stepping on second with the organization? I know in 08 you hit, I think it was early April, you hit a, a big home run off Pettit against the Yankees early on in a win over them. What are the moments that stick out for you? For 08? 08 or any time with, with the Rays. So the one thing with the Rays is um, everything I did was my first. 
you know, which was cool. I mean, obviously my first at bat, my first hit, my first postseason, um, you know, my first, I mean, played underneath Lou Pinella, you know, my first, you know, Hall of Fame freaking dude. Um, the one thing that, that really sticks with me is I had the most unique, awesomest conversations and just drove home how big this game is in the world and the history of the game was Don Zimmer. I mean, I sat next to that dude as much as I could and just talked to him. And um, you didn't really have to get in with Dom, but you could – there's some stuff you really didn't want to talk about. But when I would just sit down next to him, I'm like, hey, Dom, like, you ever been in a bar fight with uh, Jackie Robinson? He's just, huh? Like, who told you? I was like, no one told me. But I assume you did, and I want to know all about it. Um, you know, so I love talking to the history of the game with Zim, man. And um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the Rays did, you know, the, for, you know, the shifts and the safety squeezes. Zim was a big part of all that, too. He was. And I still talk to Soot. Um, and she's still doing, she's still doing well. Um, her, their son, Tom, actually just retired from the game after 50 years in it, too. Yeah. And, and I think he'd probably be looking down proud of what you became in terms of your pro career. Yeah, I love Don, man. I was... Um, and I actually got in a fight with the Red Sox against the Rays, too, at the Trop when I was yelling at Escobar. He was running his mouth. And I remember uh, Tom Foley, I think, was at third, and I came flying in from left. And afterwards, I told Tom, I said, I was going to freaking kill that kid, but you had Zimmer's jersey on because it was Zimmer night, and he slowed me up. And I got I had too much respect. I was going to bowl you over and get that dude. So that says a lot about Don Zimmer. I couldn't even push a guy down who had his jersey on. It wasn't even his. Um, yeah, he's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm super stoked he was able to make it to the Kentucky Derby, too. That was, that was, that was huge for him. Did, and what's your relationship, too, with Rocco? Because you, you've mentioned a lot of guys, and since you mentioned that you hit behind him the first game you ever played in the big leagues and to see him as a manager now, what does that mean to you? I did an a MLB Network interview after they hired him, and I go – this dude's going to win the manager of the year. He's taking them to the playoffs and he's going to be absolutely nails. He's going to blow everyone away. And they're like, huh? I go, hold on, book it. I mean, this dude, this guy, I, I don't got enough good things to say about this dude. And the one thing that frustrates me the most is like this freaking short career, man. This dude was so good. I mean, he was so good. And He's so good as a manager. He really is. Um, so, I mean, that's just what it was. But when people talk about – I mean, I played with tons of dudes. Man. I mean, you talk like a Joey Votto and a Josh Donaldson and a Big Poppy and a Pedroia and a Cespedes and, you know, it goes on. I've played with them all. But, like, Rocco's, like, top of my list, dude. This dude was doing stuff that no one was doing with the baseball IQ. Like, it was so more than just talent, man. I mean – God, this guy's so pro, pro family. Um, yeah, dude, he, he, he's <laughs> got a man crush on Rocco. Can't tell. Well, I, I think a lot of people are in a similar way, have such an appreciation for what you've done in your career um, and what you meant to this franchise too in helping, yeah. you know, kind of that cultural shift. And even though you went on and had a lot of success with other places, this will still be for us uh, home, home sweet home. I mean, I talk about it all the time. Like, I've been in a bunch of orgs, but, like, damn, if there's ever to be a movie, you know, it's got to be when I came – like, when I started, I mean, 
I was roommates with Josh Hamilton from, you know, clean cut, no tattoos all the way to the end. Uh, Dewan Brazelton, Carl Crawford, uh, Joey Gathright, Elijah Dukes, Nick Beerbrot, uh, freaking A, an absolute cluster. That Andrew Friedman, man, I, I, I see him every once in a while too. This dude had his hands full. It wasn't even 30 years old. He turned this thing around so quick. And um, that's another guy, you know, it's a big, big thumbprint, gave me a chance. Uh, stuck with me and then also gave me my walking papers, but I understood it. Um, I mean, there's not a reason he's the highest paid, most decorated GM, you know, right now. All started with the Rays, too. Well, Johnny, you've been a class guy since uh, you broke into the organization. We're happy to stay in touch with you. Congrats on the yeah. latest addition of the family and uh, hopefully more success for you and, and yours. Yeah, you got it, man. Keep in touch. Be good. That is Johnny Gomes. We appreciate you joining us for our latest podcast, and we will chat with you soon.